Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Eridix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And here with me this morning on the Inclusive Class is my co-host, Terry Morrow. Hi, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we are not taking phone calls, but the chat room will be open. If you'd like to stop in and suggest a question or just say hi, uh, I'll try to work any questions in if we have time. It's been a peaceful week here in my house. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was uh, my kid's spring break. So no wild spring break college antics here, just mostly (laughs) sleeping late and avoiding any chance of doing homework. So um, it's it's been a nice few days of that. And... uh, the uh, Reader's Choice Awards voting is over, so I can no longer flog mm-hmm. everybody to go out and vote. However, do come by the site on Wednesday at specialchildren.about.com and see who won. How's right. your week been, uh, Nicole? Same. Very quiet. Our kids are back to school. We had our two weeks at the beginning of March. and um, Two weeks. Wow. Yeah. It, uh, two weeks is a bit too too long. <laughs> it's like, well, this was fun. Go back to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, the day that they went back to school, it was bittersweet, I must say. <laughs> but um, my kids had homework over the break. I don't, you know, what is that about? I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that my kids didn't have homework over the break. I'm just saying they, they just haven't done do it, it. <laughs> Yeah, no, my oh, said my daughter just yelled from her room that she did her homework, so oh, I have okay. slandered her. <laughs> She's correcting you. Yeah, no, my yes, kids had homework, is. but of course, you know, their executive functioning didn't kick in until the last day, so yes. they <laughs> decided to get it done. But we We're are looking for that, that kind of Sunday here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Um, so we're back to we're back in into the swing of things. So, and I'm back home, and I don't have to phone in from location. Yay! <laughs> like and I'm not in a parking week. garage. So we're all good here, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to today's show. We have a returning guest today with us, uh, Terry. We have um, Mary Edie with us from the Pro Parents Organization of South Carolina, and she was on our show, oh gosh, about a year ago, almost a year, or just over a year ago, she came on our show and talked about uh, parents' um, responsibilities with regards to special education. And she's going to give us a refresher and bring us up to date and give us some more information about that today and just really reiterate the importance of being an informed parent. So I'm looking forward to hearing from Mary this morning, and she's on the other end here. Good morning, Mary. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. Wonderful. We're happy to have you this morning. Glad to be here. And. Can you uh, tell the audience, as we have quite a few new listeners, can you tell them just a bit about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. Um, I am Executive Director of ProParents of South Carolina. We are the Parent Training Information Center for the state of South Carolina. Um, There's one of us in every state in the United States, including territories, 
Um, and most of us are primarily funded, not all of our funding comes from there, but primarily funded under discretionary grants from U.S. Department of Education under Part B funds under the IDEA special education dollars. Um, okay. You know, that many years ago, 20, well, longer than that now, I would say, Probably 25 to 30 years ago, um, there was money provided under IDEA to ensure that there was a parent center in every state to provide parent training, information, and assistance to parents of mm -hmm. children with disabilities developmental delays. Interesting. So that's what I do for South Carolina, and I kind of fell into this um, over 20 years ago. Um, because I have two daughters with learning disabilities and attention deficit disorder and knew very little about either disability when I got mm -hmm. started and um, had to learn a lot and got involved with a lot of organizations, mostly seeking information. And this agency was formed about that time, and I kind of fell into this position and have been here ever since. And it's more than a job. It's a passion. It really is. It and is. now... Um, Fortunately, my daughter married about six, seven years ago. Um, a gentleman who already had a family had several children, and one of those is a young man with developmental delays. So we just kind of fit right in. Right, <laughs> I yeah. love him dearly. And yeah. um, my daughter, actually my oldest daughter, is a special education teacher. So, um, you know, it kind of was a natural fit for all of us. I truly believe divine intervention. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's where I am. It's like that's as soon weird. as I think I've got mine grown and gone and can start looking at taking on other passions, here I get this grandchild who, you know, I yeah. love to death. And, and now I'm on a new mission. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a new path. Good for you. And I think that happens with most of us it's through our experience that we become involved and so passionate and wanting to share the information that we have trudged through and looked for and yeah, searched for and gathered and just wanting to share that and make it easier for other people. So. You're exactly right, and that's what yeah. I've often said. There was no parent training agency and no one knowledgeable that I could knock on their door and get what I needed at the time yeah. that I was learning what I was learning. And I am so thankful that to this day there is a parent training center and um I hope we will always be here with the sequestration and budget cuts. I, I'm mm -hmm. in fear that this could be one of those programs that, you know, they look at to get rid of. But, you know, we're not we're not an expensive program. When you look mm -hmm. at the funding for parent centers, it is very small in comparison to lots of programs. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would hope we kind of fly under the radar. I pray that we do. But, <laughs> but I think, by and large, most of us are going to be there doing this work one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, because and it is a passion. It is a passion. And it's so important to have these organizations that parents can go to because, and being the topic of our show, which is, your parents it's a you need to be informed right you need to exactly know your rights and responsibilities when you have a child in special education and that's my next question is that when a parent does find out that their child 
uh, will receive special education in whatever form that looks like, whether that's an inclusive classroom or a self-contained classroom, can they rely solely on the school to help them make informed decisions, or is there are there other things that they should be doing at the same time? I mean, it's, it's a very overwhelming experience, and there's a lot of information floating around, and I think parents tend to just rely on the school to... To, to well, direct them and guide them. What, what are your thoughts on that? I do. I think you always trust those professionals who you feel like have have a knowledge base that you may not have as a parent. And I think we should to a degree. Mm-hmm. But I also believe, you know, just like a parent's out seeking a physician, you're going to take that physician's opinion and you're going to trust that they have the professional, you know, the background, the training, all of those things to be able to make a good informed opinion on what's going on with your child. However, as a parent, as a mom, you have to trust your instincts, number Mm -hmm. one. You have to be an informed consumer. You Mm -hmm. have to know that when they're telling you something, it's right on the money. Um, One thing that, that I always tell parents is going back to those instincts, especially mother's instincts. Mm-hmm. Always trust your instincts, trust that guidance, because sometimes you can't put a name on it. Mm-hmm. You can't, mm-hmm. it's not tangible, you can't touch it, but you know something's either right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to trust those instincts. You know, schools see your children during an eight hour, sometimes school day. At mm-hmm. one level, but you're the one in home, as as you two have already talked about this morning, that mm-hmm. you see the struggles with the homework. You mm-hmm. see homework mm-hmm. that should take 10 minutes that's taking 40, yep. 50 minutes or all night long and not getting completed. You see your child's frustration where your child may not show that at school. Right. So, you know, parents have a knowledge base that the school may not have. It has to be a partnership. And um, it's important that parents bring their information to the table, as critically important as it is for the school to bring their information. But parents also need to be informed consumers. One thing we have found as working for the parent training agency and as parents, you know, we do a lot of reading, we do a lot of research, we're in a lot of conferences and we're learning the new, the state of the art, the mm-hmm. you know, all of those new things that are out there. And sometimes that information doesn't always trickle down to the classroom teacher. Exactly. If there's a change in the federal law that says that, you know, you must provide X, Y, Z, the, the teacher in the classroom may not know that, but sometimes mm-hmm. as a parent or, or an agency representative, you may know that a lot more quickly. Um, exactly. So it has to be a partnership. It has to be a sharing. But I always use the analogy, as you did on your post, um, you know, you wouldn't go out and buy a car or any other major appliance that you weren't informed on what was going on. You wouldn't mm-hmm. want to know the interest rate. You wouldn't want to know the payments, how much the payments are going to be, what you're buying, what you're purchasing, what are all the features, all those things. Mm-hmm. And your yeah. child's education is just as critical and important, even more important, Um you know, a day and sitting in a classroom with a child frustrated could mean a lifetime of struggles, yeah. and it's something mm-hmm. you can't afford to let go. Um, yeah. 
and and you've got to be informed. It's going to make everybody's job a whole lot easier. It, and yeah. we hear even IEP team members, teachers, say that when we've got a knowledgeable parent who comes in, they are prepared to tell us what it's going to take to get this mm-hmm. child to the next level, that they're prepared to say, okay, I know what that form is. You don't have to explain it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It really helps things run a lot more smoothly. Yeah. Oh, I completely I to, agree. I wanted to mention, you, you mentioned the, that the parents need to bring in word of what the kid is struggling in, but also I think it's an important job of the parents to bring in word of the kid's strengths, because I think a lot of times the IEP process is, is aimed at looking at, for problems. Uh, and sure so many times you're in a meeting and all you're hearing are the negative things about your child. And, and You're exactly right. Somebody needs to say, hey, you know what, my kid can do that at home. Mm-hmm. Or I see that my kid has strengths in this area. How can we use that? Uh, and to, especially as we talk about inclusion, to say, you know, you'll hear around the table that, oh, this child cannot possibly be in this setting. You need to be able to say, well, they can do this at church or they can do this in mm-hmm. soccer or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. That voice needs to be, it needs to not all be on deficit. It needs, somebody needs to be looking at the good things too. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's a I totally voice. agree. And yeah. sometimes meeting the meeting the needs or meeting the deficit is mm-hmm. working on those strings, is right. pulling from those strings to to work on whatever those deficits are. And yeah. all of our children have strings; they really mm-hmm. do. They're um, and and we've got to acknowledge that, and we've got to work with those. You're exactly right. So speaking of IEPs, then. As Terry mentioned, it's a great idea, and it's something that parents really need to do is go into that IEP bringing in a list of the child's strengths, and that, I think that sets a tone, a positive tone for that IEP meeting. Also, what rights do parents have in the IEP process? What, okay. Can you explain that to our audience? I can. Um, You know, the good thing is the federal law outlines parents' rights and and what they they should be doing as families um, and parents in providing information and support to the IEP team. You know, the first right that we tell parents every time we get a phone call is you have a right to call an IEP meeting at any point in time. If you don't sit back and let your child struggle for six weeks or eight weeks or nine weeks or whatever, call Mm -hmm. a meeting. If your child is struggling, there's frustration, or if something's going really, really well and you feel like that IEP is is not supporting where your child Mm -hmm. currently is, Mm -hmm. call an IEP meeting. Um, You've got a right to it. And then get whatever is necessary changed or boosted up or whatever in that IEP. So that's the first thing. Parents have a right to have that child evaluated. If the child's struggling, parents think the child may or may qualify for special education, you know, they've got a right to have that child evaluated by the school district, um, free of charge to the family. If okay. the school district says we don't feel like it's appropriate, um, we feel like this child doesn't need an evaluation, they've got to provide their reasons to you in writing. Um, they can't just say we're not going to do it. So mm-hmm. parents have a right first to have that child evaluated. Second, and, and evaluated subsequently 
as many times as the family feels necessary. You know, the federal law says that every three years the IEP team has to sit down and discuss reevaluation. Um, a lot of times the team will say, well, we don't feel like an evaluation is appropriate at this time. Mm-hmm. But any time a family feels like it is appropriate, they do have a right to say that, and you don't have to wait until those three years are up. You can do it at any point in time. Um, I met with a dad recently whose child was going to middle school. The child had not been evaluated since, I think, about first grade. And I looked at him and I said, do you feel like all of these scores still reflect the child that you've got today? And Mm -hmm. he said, no, I absolutely do not. And I Mm -hmm. said, well, let's get him reevaluated. Let's talk about reevaluation because um, especially with him going to middle school, we want to know where he is today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We don't want to know where he was in first grade. Yeah, and kids make leaps and bounds in those early years. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to address that. Exactly. Parents also have a right to be informed of any services, any changes to services, anything being provided to a child. Okay. Um, They should be informed. Parents always have the right to disagree. Um, (laughs) So, so, you know, in a nutshell, that is your parents' rights. There's lots of other details there that we can add in, but, but the basis is, Parents have a right to have the child evaluated, to be an active participant in that IEP team, um, uh-huh. and to call a meeting at any point in time. Great. Yeah. Thank you. What, what rights do parents have to an inclusive education for their child? Is there Well, of course, an inclusive education is, unfortunately, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, an IEP <laughs> team decision. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. least restrictive environment is part of that IEP team um, decision and uh-huh. part of the IEP. The one yeah. thing that I tell every family is go into the IEP meeting prepared to provide some sort of documentation as to... Right where the child needs supports, where they may not, how that mm-hmm. inclusive education can work and how it can look for the child. And and the one thing I'd encourage people to do is to get a, a snapshot of a typical school day. Where yeah. is my child all day long? They're in art, they're in music, they're in physical education, they're in science class, they're in whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, they may need support in an academic setting such as science but they may not need support through the rest of that school day. Or Mm -hmm. that support could be provided by someone who's naturally in that environment anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, paint a picture. We've got a little um, chart that we can use that's been circulated around for 20 years, I think. But we've got a chart that we provide, um, kind of a goal activity matrix that we put together, or or we did not put it together. I don't want to take credit. But but it allows a family to put together kind of a picture of the typical school day and where supports may or may not be needed. Mm -hmm. And it has really worked. I've had feedback from lots of families saying that did it. When I walked in and showed that principal or that whoever that I have really done my homework, mm-hmm. that I have really sh- painted a picture for them, then they bought into what I was saying. Right. <laughs> Graphs and charts are always helpful. Um, it does. And, and, you know, the one thing I have to always reiterate with many families is we have to give our children and us 
an ability to fail. <laughs> you yeah. know, it may not work. So so right. what? We tried it, yeah. it didn't work, we'll go back and try again. But give yourself the ability to fail. Give your child the ability to fail. Right. That's how we learn. Right. Definitely. It, it really Part of the problem with this, uh, whether there's a right to inclusion and all that, is that each school's program varies so much. And it's like mm-hmm. you, it inclusion may be right for your child, but if there's not the right inclusion program at your kid's school, you know, you don't want to put your child in a perfect thing where they'll be not make the progress that they need to make, but at the same time, yeah, so really it's helpful to, to have a good picture also of what's available and what's happening mm-hmm. now at your school and what the trends are in your state. Uh, when I yeah. was trying to get my daughter put into inclusion, it just so happened that the state ordered it right at the same time I was asking right. for it, so suddenly there was a program where there had not been one. Um so that's, you know, a certain amount of involvement by the parent in what's going on in the school and what's going on in special education in their area in general uh, is mm-hmm. very helpful. What do you it, recommend it, to parents it, in terms of uh, involving themselves in, you know, in the life of their school and in what's going well, on in their community? I encourage families to get involved as much as possible, and I do realize that, you know, we're in two income households that the time mm-hmm. and ability to volunteer in the school and do those things is not always there and some mm-hmm. schools are more welcoming than others. Um, <laughs> yeah. But of, of yeah, they are. <laughs> but I tell families to you know get involved in the outside activities, make friends with those families mm-hmm. who are volunteering in the school. Yeah, you be the one to bake the cookies for the next bake yes. sale so that you can Absolutely. form those relationships because they're going to let you know what's going on too. They've got to be oh, yeah. interested your child as well. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the best um best information avenues I had was at some point I did a lot of volunteer work in the school and substituted in several mm-hmm. of the schools at some point, which really gave me some insight into what was going on and also helped me bond with the teachers and those that were in those classrooms mm-hmm. so they knew yeah. me at a different level. Um, That helped tremendously, but when I became more active in other things and could no longer do that, I really knew who the volunteers were. I knew who the the, um, classroom moms were, and -hmm. they would give me good information. They really would. They would say, you know, I was outside your child's classroom, and I could hear that teacher, and it just doesn't sound like it's a very supportive classroom. (laughs) You know, those kinds of things that you really value. Um, Go in and observe. Some schools are very good about letting you go in and observe classrooms, especially when you're Mm -hmm. looking at the next year and the teachers. Um, But make friends with the teachers, too, because they're going to be good. They're going to know your child, and they're going to say, you know, this teacher will be very supportive. Um, This Mm -hmm. teacher has what your child needs. This teacher, you know, they may not be as structured as your child needs. Right. Yeah. 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 Therapists are good to befriend also because they often oh have a gosh, view of a whole yes. bunch of teachers. They yeah. are. They are very good. And they have to work with those classroom teachers to make that mm-hmm. therapy work. And they right. know which teachers are more supportive. I will say one of our best advocates for my children as they got older was the guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. She okay. knew my children. She knew those teachers. She knew the 
the classroom styles and teaching styles of those teachers. And she mm-hmm. talked me into at least twice having my child in a classroom that I would not have thought would have supported my child. And she right. said, I know this teacher. I think this teacher mm-hmm. will, will work well with your child. And it was a positive, positive outcome. Right. That is so Good valuable. And also, also, you know, those IEP team members, uh, you don't have to just see them once a year or whenever there's an official meeting. Uh, as much as you can cultivate a friendship and a positive relationship with them, they can also exactly. help quite a lot. And then they get to know you and your child better than just exactly. the case file that they look at when right. there's an evaluation and, to be done. Right. And, you know, we're in a day and age now that we didn't have the luxury of 20 years, 20 more, 20 or more years ago, is that we've mm-hmm. got technology, we've got text, we've got, you know, internet, and mm-hmm. most of the teachers you can communicate with by internet mm-hmm. now, or, yeah. or, you know, and it's a great way to just send an attaboy to that teacher and say, oh, yes. wow, did y'all have a good day today, or my child mm-hmm. had a great day. So you are providing as much positive as possible. So when you've got something negative or something you need to bring up, it's it's got yeah. a little <laughs> it's got a little yeah. sting to it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and if your child is in a school environment where this sort of thing isn't encouraged and and parents aren't welcomed into the school, that's kind of a good sign that this maybe isn't going to be the healthiest environment for your kid. <laughs> well, and you're it's, right. You're you are exactly down right. Into every classroom. Yes, because um, I've been in schools where I felt like it was getting into Fort Knox and they really didn't want yeah. to deal with families. And then I've been in yes. a school where the principal, every time I walked in that school, came around and thanked me for 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 coming and, and uh-huh. being there to support my child and others. Yeah, it really sets the tone. Um, if If parents feel that they are not receiving the services they feel their child needs, what are their options? Number one, call an IEP meeting. If your child has an IEP or a 504 plan, because we have not mm-hmm. talked about 504 plans for for some of our children, if your child mm-hmm. has an IEP or a 504 plan or any of the above, call a meeting. Um, you okay. know, I tell parents to always give a deadline for the meeting, if at all possible, simply because... Yeah. You know, if I get a letter today and it doesn't have a deadline on it, I'm going to put it on the back burner. <laughs> if I get a letter today yeah. and it says you better respond in 48 hours, I'm going to yeah. respond. And, and yes. it's just like, again, going back to buying a car or any kind of business transaction. Just put on that business consumer hat and use those mm-hmm. same skills that we all use um, mm-hmm. in, in, in dealing with the school and your child. Um, you know, I always feel better if somebody gives me a deadline because I'm much like your children. I wait until the day and then I'm going <laughs> right. to get it done. So if I've got a deadline, I work better. I need that structure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that is the biggest thing with our families. If you, if you feel like something's going right or wrong, something needs to mm-hmm. be changed, you need to get in touch with that school and let them know. Um, You know, not everything requires a formal written letter. People do work better with deadlines. But if it's something Mm -hmm. really, really critical, and one of the things that we've had or heard a lot of recently, and I think it's because there's been more in the headlines, um, is about situations where students with disabilities are being harassed or bullied in classrooms. 
Yeah. And parents are saying to us, you know, I've brought it to the teacher's attention. It's kind of blown off as boys will be boys, girls will be girls. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like it's getting the kind of attention that's needed. At mm-hmm. that point, I tell families to write a letter. Mm-hmm. Write a letter okay. to the school and say, you know, this is pretty significant. Um, I'm giving you responsibility for taking on this taking care of this situation because you especially when it's the principal, you are the building level supervisor. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm asking you to ensure that my child is safe and not harassed in your in your school. And that way you're kind of triggering a little higher level of attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Of course, in a lot of the stories we've read lately, the teacher is the bully. <laughs> well, and sometimes it is, unfortunately. Um, sometimes it is. And, you know, the first time I went through any kind of bullying training, there's a lot of subtle things that even as adults we do that we don't think of in the context oh, yeah. of bullying, but we yeah. do do them. Um, yeah. And it really was an eye-opener for me. So I encourage families to, you know, get to bullying training, get to bullying workshops, bring it to your school's attention, push to have this done in your school because, um, you know, I think it's an awareness. Yeah, unfortunately, speaking of awareness, I'm aware that the school bell just rang, which means we have to wrap it up, unfortunately. (laughs) I'd love to keep talking with you. You've got great advice. For parents. Thank you, Mary. Uh, thank you so much for being our guest today, Mary. Yes, and I would like you. to thank our listeners for tuning into our program this morning. Please join us for net, next week's show when we have Julie Savalos from the National Down Syndrome Society. She is going to talk about ways to include students with Down Syndrome in the general education classroom. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class, and I am at Mamatude, that's M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Stitcher and iTunes. Uh, Mary, you want to tell folks where they can find your organization on the Internet? Yes. We are in South Carolina, um, ProParents.org, www.ProParents.org. But to locate the Parent Training Center for your state, you can go to TAAlliance.org. And, again, That's that an is T as in Tom, A as in Apple, Alliance.org. Okay, now I've got to very quickly say goodbye to everybody and have a great week. Goodbye. Thank you.